In this episode of the Cube Command Podcast, I'm going to be reviewing Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time. Welcome, welcome to the Cube Command Podcast. My name is Thomas Savoy, and this is the show where you can chill with us as we discuss the news, reviews, and other things in the gaming, pop culture, and movie industry. The Cube Command Podcast is produced by Savoy Studios and is part of the Savoya Media Network. To find all the shows produced by Savoy Studios, visit SavoyaMedia.com. It has been way too long since we got a new installment in the Crash Bandicoot series. I believe the last game was Mind Over Mutant, which was uh, quite a while ago. And even farther, if you want to count the actual mainline uh, Naughty Dog games from ending with Crash 3 Warped. But uh, we got Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, last Friday, which was the uh, the 2nd of October. And uh, I took some time to play the game non-stop. I wanted to see where it was going, what it was going to do with the new concepts, and uh, put out this review. So for this episode, it's just going to be me talking about Crash Bandicoot. And I'll admit it's a little lonely, but it is kind of fun doing it by myself because it's been a while since I've uh, solo hosted this podcast back uh, years ago. Also, if you haven't played this game yet and you want to have the best first experience you can, I will give out a spoiler alert because I'm going to be talking about the story and the gameplay and the stuff that they show at the end. So, uh, alright, let's jump into the review. Crash Bandicoot 4 is a full price title. It's for Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and it's also going to be compatible with the PS5 and Xbox Series S. Uh, it's a $60 game, full retail price, uh, which means that you're going to get a lot of bells and whistles that come with the AAA experience. What we're looking at, we're looking at a whole new platformer. This isn't like uh, open world, like Twin Sanity. It's not a mutant game. Like This is a full-out classic-style Crash game, which we haven't got a new one of in quite a while. So because this game draws a lot of inspiration from the original titles, it's going to have a lot of the same callbacks, a lot of the same mechanics, They're trying, but at the same time, they're trying to push it forward in new directions. There is so much stuff in this game that wasn't even conceived for the Insane Trilogy, not just the originals, but for the remake. Like They, they went full throttle and added as much as they could in this game, and I do respect that. I do respect that Activision is... You know, giving the developers the freedom to do what they want for for platforming series, which is something that I think they should do more of. Maybe we might get a new Spyro game. You never know. All right, so let's jump into what this game has to offer. Uh, first of all, I think the most apparent thing is that they redesigned the characters, and uh, I I am in the park where I I wasn't really keen on some of the designs in the beginning, like Coco or uh, like I guess Crash's like shoulders. I guess I thought they were like too high. But, you know, after a while, it's not that important. I, I got used to it very quickly, and I do think it actually offers more than the uh, original models did. I actually do prefer the new ones. I guess I should go into the story itself. It's uh, it's pretty simple. I gotta say, I mean, no one's going to play a Crash Bandicoot game for the story, right? I mean, it, it's fun, and I'm glad they put it in there, but that's not really the focus of it. And you can kind of tell they put more effort into the actual gameplay itself than the story. Because... Um, Despite the fact that they used a lot of the cutscenes in the marketing, there actually isn't that many cutscenes. Like, the amount of cutscenes isn't as much as I was expecting based on what they were saying and how they were kind of playing it up. But, I mean, it's to be expected. It's a platform where the story isn't really the point of it, right? 
But uh, I did feel like they wanted to do more with it. The cutscenes are very well animated, and they do use a lot of squatch and stretch with the models, and they use the models to their fullest to make the characters very expressive, and I really enjoyed that. Like, if you go back and watch some of the cutscenes, uh, you can you can see there's a lot of stuff going on in the background, characters interacting with each other that you might not be able to catch in the first round, because there's a lot of stuff to focus on. And, uh, again, it, it's very well animated, and it's fun. They used a lot of humor, like... The writing, especially like in between levels and stuff, like the interactions with the characters felt very uh, closer like to Twin Sanity or uh, even the Mutant games than it did to the classic stuff. And I like that because I thought the writing in the Mutant games and Twin Sanity was very snappy and it was very clever. And uh, I'd like to see more of that going forward. Um, but as far as like the story goes, is it's your basic like, I guess, platformer story, just an excuse to get you to the next level. Um, they have... You know, every couple worlds you would get, you would meet a new mask and like they introduce the whole world and they introduce the villain, you know, the same kind of crash stuff. You know, I kind of wish they had more cutscenes to give some things a little more context um, because they do start like trying to put arcs in there, like in the second half, because when I was playing it, I was waiting for there to be a whole thing where they confront Tana about being really like like a loner because like that's her thing. And because she ends up betraying them somewhere during the story, just for the sake of letting them live, not wanting to see them die. And they never address that. Like, two stages later, they're just like, they're okay with her again, and they never talk about it. I mean, it, again, it's a platformer, so I shouldn't really expect depth. But when you introduce a concept like that, it feels kind of incomplete when you don't give us the middle portion. And, like, actually addressing the, the concept that you introduced. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it kind of felt pointless. The only thing that came out of that that uh, that character arc she had was like an extra level where you have to escape the ship without her help. It, it, it just felt really incomplete and not very fleshed out. And I could have done without some of the twists they put in just for the sake of putting them in because they didn't go the full way. Um, I don't know. I felt, it felt like they, they actually had planned more cutscenes. I could be wrong about this, but it felt like they had planned more cutscenes in between levels to flesh out some of these concepts that never actually came to fruition what may be, I don't know, because of low funds or not enough time to animate them, who knows. Uh, but uh, as far as it goes, the story's not bad, but it some parts felt like they, I could have done without them. And again, they are well animated. A, a lot of the game is very well animated. Like The presentation in this game is just great. Um, it's what I would expect from a, I guess, Nintendo-level platformer. You know, it's very polished. Uh, there's very little instances of clipping, glitching out. Uh, and I only experienced one glitch during the game, and that was uh, during the embryo fight, where um, he just kind of, his model froze in place. He, he, I was fighting him, and then he just, like, stops, and he just, there, he, he's, like, just stone, stone cold, just standing there, not moving, and it kind of set the entire boss fight to a halt. And uh, I think I ended up accidentally falling off the ledge uh, trying to, like, interact with him because, like, I bounced off him and fell off. And so I had to restart it. But that was the only glitch that I experienced in the game. And I do like that because it shows consistency with the quality of Crash titles. Um, Insane Trilogy itself was very polished. I don't think I came across any glitches during my first playthrough. Uh, again, with CTR, CTR was a little rockier because it's a PvP game. So I can kind of excuse the fact that it had a couple more glitches when it came to online, but for the most part, it was good quality. 
And Crash 4 uh, actually takes the next step with making a bigger game and keeping the same level of quality that was in the Insane Trilogy, and I do enjoy that. Um, but one thing I did not enjoy is the long loading times. I just thought it was very intrusive, the whole experience, to get the same loading screen over and over for about, I don't know, like 10 seconds apiece in between every cutscene, every level, every time you want to go to the dimensional map. It's not at the levels of CTR, I can assure you that much, but it is a little intrusive and you start to notice it if you're playing for a long period of time. But uh, all right, so let's get into the gameplay. Crash Bandicoot is, you know, a platformer, so they have a lot of the same platforming tropes, the double jump, the slide, uh, standard neutral attack, and uh, they bring back the core stuff for this game. They wanted to make sure it, it feels right at home with the uh, original trilogy, so they have stuff like the, you know, the regular spin, the slide, the crouch jump, and uh, contrary to the previous games, um, you don't have to earn these through boss fights. These abilities are right there from the get-go, and they teach you how to use them when the situation arises. Um, of course, you've already played Crash like myself. You don't really need the tutorials, but it is nice that they do clarify these things for newer players. And even though it's the same staple gameplay, it still feels a little different. You have the absence of abilities like the Death Tornado Spin, uh, the Fruit Bazooka, the Crash Dash, and then stuff like the Neutered Slide Jump makes it feel like a completely different game from Crash 2 and 3, and even 1, despite having the same core abilities. But that doesn't mean they don't add their own little flair to these things. Because the slide jump is still there, but it's not the same thing. In the original games, you could chain a slide into a jump to get more horizontal distance, more height, and uh, it was all, all around just faster and good for speedrunning. Uh, in this one, it's it doesn't have those physics at all. It's very different like it, it stops your momentum entirely it does give you more jump height i'll give it that um and then it also has this weird property where you can jump out of a slide in midair like uh like let's say you're you're sliding off a ledge and the end of the slide animation is in midair you can still jump and keep your double jump um and that, i i don't think that's something that was as profound in the insane trilogy you could still do it, but it, you you had like a very small window. I don't know if it's a glitch or something, but in Crash 4, you actually get a very ample window to jump out of a slide if it's in midair. I say I don't know if it's a glitch because they actually expect you to do that for some of the crate challenges. And I thought that was very interesting because uh, it seemed, it doesn't seem natural to look at. Like, it looks like a glitch, but I feel like it was intentional. And uh, honestly... I do think that it adds more utility, and I think it's a superior slide jump. For speedrunners, that probably sounds like heresy, but I honestly do think that the new slide jump has more utility for interesting level design than the original one did. I kind of like the fact that they neutered one move, or at least changed the properties of it so you could put more focus in other, other abilities, because slide jumping constantly in a stage is one of the most optimal ways to go about it, but it's also very tedious. Like, if I'm trying to get a Platinum Relic in Crash 2, I literally have to slide jump everywhere to make sure I get as much time shaved off my record as possible. But uh, for Crash 4, you don't really have to worry about that because the utility isn't there, so you can't use it, and you have to resort to other ways and more uh, creative ways to platform. And I kind of like that. I like that it forces you to add that variety to your playstyle. 
And, uh, you know, they did still keep some of the other abilities, like the belly flop and the uh, the double jump. So, you know, it's it, the core stuff is still there, like I said. And, uh, you know, spoilers, uh, a little something they did add after you finish the game is uh, you get this triple spin, which uh, I'm still trying to figure out in particular because uh, it's more of a speedrunning tool than anything. If you spin but hold down the button and right as the animation is ending you hold down the button for another spin and then another one you can chain three spins together each consecutive spin being faster than the last one and uh, that's supposedly their version of the slide jump or the crash dash that gives you more uh, more distance and more speed for those time trial challenges and uh, i thought it's okay um it's it's no death tornado spin you can't hover anything in the air with it it's solely on the ground but uh, I thought it was—I uh, thought it was pretty creative. It's added something fresh to his move set, so I'll always welcome that. And uh, I think that pretty much rounds out the move set. You only get one move you can you can unlock throughout the game. Um, that's not even counting the the gimmicks they have. So let's go ahead and get into why people are saying this game is very difficult because it is. Uh, despite the fact they added a lot of abilities. They also ramped up the level design to like an 11, and it's pretty insane if I do say so myself. To make up for this new moveset, the level composition has changed. Uh, they do keep the hallway style, but they've, they've created a more open-ended version of it. Even though there's very little examples of branching pathways, there are wide areas in certain levels that will keep you on your toes and... Uh, make you have to explore every nook and cranny to get every single box. Um, now, I do appreciate that they created very creative transitions from 2D to 3D perspectives to keep it uh, to keep it interesting and to make sure nothing gets stale. Um, because you're, it's not recommended to stand in one place for very long in every level just because there's so much going on. Each level uh, is uh, has its own gimmick. Uh, there's about I want to say like eight worlds, something like that. Each world having like about two to three to four stages. Um, and then there's also boss fights interdispersed between those. Um, the levels themselves are long, man. It's They go on way too long. I'm just going to say that. I enjoy them. I think they have very creative concepts. Uh, there's They definitely have their own flair, each one. Each and every one of them has its own personality. But man, they overstay their welcome. And you start to notice that at the halfway point. Like, uh, I was spending upwards to maybe like 20 minutes on some stages just trying to get, just trying to explore everything about the stage, just because I don't like rushing through stages. But even then, I don't think you could rush through these stages. Just because for the first time player, and I don't mean first time crash player, I mean first time playing this game in particular, it is not very friendly once you get to like the last couple bit of worlds. Like, I was consistently getting 30 deaths by the time I hit the last two worlds. Just because I wanted to see if I could get every box to challenge myself. Um, but I feel like even if I didn't do that, I still would have got like 20-something deaths in the stages. The, the stages are difficult. There's some borderline BS in some of these stages. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I got hit with a couple cheap shots in some stages when it came to, like, enemies throwing projectiles, bottomless pits... Uh, I don't know, a nitro crate showing up off screen where I couldn't see it. Uh, some of it was a little frustrating to deal with too. I'll say that much. 
Um, so I do appreciate the stuff like the the modern mode they gave where, you know, you, you, you don't have a life counter. It just counts your deaths. And, uh, you know, you have checkpoints and, and whatever. And, of course, the Pityaku masks actually helped me in some areas. But, um, I yeah, the... the the stages themselves cannot be friendly the first time players, uh, and you you can't choose them either this time around. Like you you have to go stage by stage. Uh, it's not like a warp room because you do you have like a Mario map this time, you know where you go you complete one stage, next stage on the map opens up. And I will say that that you do get some choice if you want to do the side characters like Dingo Dial and Tana and Cortex. They have their own story missions that tie into events that happen during the main stages themselves. Um, but those are entirely optional. Um, but you know, if you, if you like, uh, creative level design and that kind of stuff, I would recommend playing them. I did have fun during them, uh, because each, each character has their own abilities, you know, that, that lends itself to the level design. So it's a nice detour. I'll say that much. Crash Bandicoot has always, uh, been one of those games that, you know, someone you're, you're, you tell someone you're playing, you're like, okay, you're gonna go for a hundred three percent completion. You're gonna get all the all the gems and stuff because that's one of the main attractions to Crash is its replayability and challenge and one hundred percenting it. Um, I am not going to even try to one hundred percent Crash Four. There is no way I'm going to do that to myself. Reason being, they ask so much of the player for every level. You know, I'm sure you know practice makes perfect. That's very true, but some of these levels are very brutal to the point where getting six gems in each one is going to drive some people insane. So each level, you can get three gems from the amount of Wumpa Free you collect. That's 40%, 60%, and 80%. There is a gem for getting all the boxes, a hidden gem somewhere in the level you got to find for yourself, and a gem you can get from getting three or less deaths. And that alone is a daunting task because some of these boxes, like, man, what are these things? I, I would play an entire level inside and out for like half an hour. I thought I got every single one of those crates. I go to the end, I find out I, I, I'm missing like three or six or something. And it drove me nuts because it was every stage. After the first like one or two or three stages, I couldn't get every single crate on my first try. There was no way. Some of these boxes are so cryptically hidden that uh, you would, you honestly would need to look up to find these things. Like, I, there is no way I would have been able to find every single box on my own based on how the level is structured. I'm guessing that they expect you to make leaps of faith, like jump down a bottomless pit or, or uh, jump somewhere off screen or find a hidden doorway that's, that's uh, blocked by something in the foreground. That's the only thing I can think of because I looked through every single stage and I still missed a couple crates in every single stage, barring like the first two. So that means that for every single stage, you have to find a guide to help you through this unless you want to go nuts. And uh, that's no easy task because these stages, like I said, they're long. They overstay their welcome by a long shot. I understand that it is to you know, prolong the game itself. But I mean, I'm cool if they wanted to split each stage up into two and have double the amount of stages, that would be perfectly fine. Because if if they were about half the size they were, they'd be about average length and they'd be pretty comfortable to go through. 
But as it stands right now, each one of those stages is like a Sonic Heroes marathon. You know? If you haven't played Sonic Heroes, each one of those stages is about 30 minutes. And they're long. And just going through one of them, uh, makes it, it, it can tire you out. And then asking the player to collect every single thing in those stages with a limited amount of lives, that's asking a lot, in my opinion. Because, uh, again, I, I did mention that there are hidden gems. Hidden gems as cryptically hidden as the hidden crates. And, you know, and, and plus the fact that you have to get all the Wumpa fruit to get the three gems. And, you know, you have to make sure you don't die. It's a lot. But it doesn't stop there. Because not only do you have to get all six gems in every, all 43 stages in the story mode. But each stage has its own inverted mode which is essentially a, a flipped, mirrored version of that stage, sometimes with altered physics, which makes the stages more difficult. I played a couple. Uh, one of them was uh, you splash color around the stage every time you spin, and then there was another one where it was like sonar, so like every time you like broke a crate or spun or something, it would create a sonar pulse that would illuminate the stage a little bit, and then the stage would afterwards go dark again. Um, so that definitely made it a little more difficult, but you have to, each one of these stages, the inverted mode, they all have their own separate uh, slew of gems. So if you think you got everything in one stage, you still got another stage. You have to do it all over again, except mirrored. But it doesn't stop there because not only does it have the, the regular stages and the inverted mode, but there is also another collectible called a flashback tape where you have to get to a certain point usually about uh, the first third to second third of a stage without dying, collect the flashback tape and it creates a uh, little extra stage. It's basically a crate challenge, like the bonus levels from Crash 1. And uh, you have those. You have to get every crate to get the uh, silver relic for those. But it also doesn't stop there. Because for every single story stage, there is a thing called a insanely perfect relic. What that means is that not only do you have to get uh, every single gem in a stage, that's the three Wumpa gems, the box gem, the uh, hidden gem, and the three, three deaths or less gem in one run, but you also have to do it in one run without dying once. So that means you have to literally know the inside and out of every single stage and how to go through it perfectly to get these insane relics. And then I haven't even mentioned the time trials that returned from Crash 1, 2, and 3. Because those still exist too. You know, the platinum versions, the gold, the blue. So, to the completionist, I can see Crash, Crash 4 being one of the most daunting games to 100%. In my humble opinion. There's just so much it asks you to do to 100% it. That it's not even on the same level as the original Crashes. And, you know, despite my tone while saying this, I don't think that this is a bad thing at all, you know, for, you know, the fact that it is a challenging game is good, and it's it, it definitely going to uh, expand the lifespan of this game by a large margin. Like, it's, it's going to take people a while to 100% this. It's not going to be a game you 100% in a weekend, and that's fine. Those kinds of games exist. It's just that, you know... That's about, I, I want to say like 70% of the game's content. That's the only thing. Is the main story, the main 
first play run through, that's only about 30% of the game. The all the rest of it is the really difficult 100% doing all one run stuff. And that's the part that's I'm a little iffy about. Because some of these late stages, they don't mess around. Like they expect you to do these perfect inputs uh the first run and not die and and the fact that I have I'm going to have to do it all again, you know, to, to get 100% except on worse conditions and more stuff to think about. I I'm not going to do that because it's just so much it's asking of me. Um I do understand that the you know they have cutscenes and stuff locked behind the and I'm not really a fan of that either. Um I at least for like 100% trying to complete everything, I can kind of get that but having to get the insane relics and you know all that jazz i don't know that's a little much to ask but you know the actual level composition itself i think it's very creative um i do like the concept it's very well animated they have a lot of humor they intersperse throughout the stages so the stages aren't a bore to go through i just want to reiterate that they're very fun to play through the first time around and even the second and third time around just that having to 100 percent complete every stage I can see it being very frustrating and hampering my enjoyment by a lot. Okay, so that was the levels, um, but, you know, the soundtrack itself, the soundtrack, the music they use during the uh, the levels and the cutscenes and the boss fights, it's all amazing. I loved all the little callbacks they did. They they like to reuse uh, Cortex's theme during his boss fights and his own levels, and uh, the original Crash theme is there as well, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it fit very well with it. Um, so overall Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time was a pretty good experience. Um, in my opinion, it has a very high replayability. I can see myself going back to it just to see, you know, the inverted modes because I haven't tried all of them and I'd like to, um, despite the fact that it has a little bit of an unnecessary, uh, difficulty curve when, when you get to like the halfway portion, like that, the spike it kind of spikes up. If you play it, you'll, you'll notice that it, it does spike up in difficulty. So just be prepared if you're someone who uh, is looking to get the game. Uh, I do recommend the game for a challenge and a good time. Um, up in about two thirds up into the game. Whereas you should probably be prepared and kind of brush up on your skills a little bit. Um, don't go for the box gems on the first run. I'm just saying that now. I tried to and I... And it was frustrating, so don't don't do don't worry about that the first time around because I guarantee you're probably not gonna get it. So you know, go for the box gems once you know what you're working with and where these things are, and do not hundred percent unless you're prepared for frustration. I'm just gonna say that you know, know what you're getting into before you hundred percent it. If you're going to, all the luck to you. I really hope you do it because uh, I know I couldn't. Uh, so okay, if I had to give this game a score, I'd say. As a crash game, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. Just because it blows everything that the original trilogy has out of the water. Like, these crash remakes have gone so far with content. The the Insane Trilogy was three games, and they added more levels too. Uh, CTR, they, they like kind of mashed together everything about the racing games. But I do think that Crash 4 is the most tightly packed crash game thus far. Like, not only there's there's 43 story levels, each one of those has its own flip mode. There's the flashback tapes, and they even have a, a PvP mode. They have a racing mode. That's cool. I like to see that in the platformer. 
And not only that, but I, I didn't even mention the skins that you can unlock by getting the gems. There's so much stuff, and there's not even microtransactions. That's cool. I really like the fact that they went all out and added as much as they could to this game to make it like the modern Crash experience. And I, I really think it excels in that regard. So I did say a 9 out of 10 as a Crash game. But as a game in general, if you're just looking to pick up a, a, a pl fun platformer to have a good time on a weekend, I'd say maybe it's like an 8 out of 10. Just because of the difficulty spike. You know, if you want to finish this game, you have to be dedicated to doing it. Um, that's only the only reason I'd knock it down by a point if you're not talking about terms of Crash. Because Crash games have always had that, that sense of challenge to them. You know, so it's aiming to be a Crash game. And it excels so well in that regard. And as of now, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite Crash game. I think that goes to Crash 3, me personally. But it's definitely a, a perfect example of how companies should create a modern version and a modern continuation of classic series. And I, I'm really excited to see what they do for Crash 5 or Crash Bash Remake or whatever it is they have in store. Because each, each and every one of these Crash Revival games has been such a knock out of the park, a home run, and I'm really excited to see what they do with him in the future. Alright, so I'm a little out of breath. That was a lot of talking for me personally. Um, I kind of enjoyed doing this by myself, but uh, next week get ready to go back to our regularly scheduled programming with the uh, rest of the crew. Uh, the Keep Command podcast is produced by Savoy Studios and is part of the Savoy Media Network. To find all of our shows, just go to SavoyaMedia.com. And the QCAM podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. To find the Cube Command podcast, just go to TechPodcast.com. And you can also find this podcast on any podcast app. We are uh, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Spotify, so many other platforms. And we're in the process of trying to get on Amazon Podcasts as well. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel and Twitch channel to watch us play games. We have a relaunch in the works. I believe it's the first time I mentioned this. Uh, we have a soft relaunch for the YouTube channel in the works with a new intro and new series coming and completing older series as well. So I'm very excited to get that out and I hope you do check it out. Again, that's Cube Command on YouTube. And uh, you can also follow our social medias on Twitter and Instagram under the same name, Cube Command. All right, so that's all the time we have this week. Again, this has been the Cube Command Podcast. My name is Thomas Savoya. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. Nick, have you ever heard of Blueberry? Blueberry, what's that? Well, it's only one of the most respected media hosting sites out there with a customizable audio player, media validation, and unlimited downloads. Wow, does it have free technical support? Yes. Is it optimized to work with WordPress for easy blog posts? Yes. Does it require third-party sites to access? No. Is it spelled with a B and an L and a U and a B-R-R-Y? Yes. With affordable hosting packages and detailed statistics, Blueberry must be the best podcast hosting service for me. Yeah, well, wait a second. How'd you know that? I, I didn't say that. I don't know. What are you, what are you talking about? Use our promo code CUBECOMMAND to get your first month of hosting free.